If you don't have an email list, then you don't have a direct line to your customers. Reaching your clients, audience, supporters, and fans with the right message at the right time in the right place becomes easy when you've got a strategic email list in place. My email list is the number one way I drive profits in my business. And major bonus here, it's a lot easier and way more fun than you might think. That's why I'm teaching a free live workshop all about growing your email list called From Zero Subscribers or Zero Strategy to an Engaged Email List That Lasts. I'll show you how to kick off your email list building strategy with no fear because I know it can be scary to start something new in your business. Save your virtual seat at growanemaillist.com. Inside of my free live workshop, you'll learn why email marketing is 10 times more effective than posting on social media, my secret to sending out weekly emails without adding a ton of work to my plate, my best tips for getting people to hit subscribe, and what to actually say to them to convert them from subscribers to paying clients and customers. Save your seat now at growanemaillist.com. That's growanemaillist.com to get started with an email list strategy that drives real results. I'll see you at the masterclass. You're about to miss out. It is time. It is time for you to start sharing the knowledge you already have and get paid for it. Amy Porterfield's signature program, Digital Course Academy, is open and welcoming in a fresh class of students for a short amount of time. And trust me when I say you're going to want to be one of them. This program taught me everything I know about creating, selling, launching, and automating online courses. Courses that have made me millions of dollars, but beyond that, courses that have given me the time, freedom, and impact that I crave. Enroll today and get started at jennacutcher.com forward slash DCA. Plus, when you join the Digital Course Academy with my link, I am also giving you an entire Jenna Kutcher bonus experience. I've literally thought through everything that you would want from me to help you implement and get success fast with Amy's system. It's like the queen of courses, Amy, and the queen of simplification, me, teamed up to ensure that you follow through, implement, and have every tool in your toolkit. I'm talking templates, private trainings, insights into my own launches, and so much more, all waiting for you free when you join DCA. Time is running out. Head to jennacutcher.com forward slash DCA to get your course and my special bonus offer before the doors close on September 28th. Again, that's jennacutcher.com forward slash DCA. You're listening to the Gold Digger podcast, episode number 198. Gold Diggers, since you are already tuning in today, it's easy for me to tell that you might love listening to podcasts, but did you ever want to start one? Or are you just simply curious about what goes into being a podcaster? It is time to introduce you to today's guest, Nikayla Matthews Akome also known as Side Hustle Pro. She's a creator and host of the Side Hustle Pro podcast, the first and only podcast to spotlight bold Black women entrepreneurs who have scaled from their side hustle into a profitable business. She launched a podcast in 2016, and it has been named one of the most perfect entrepreneur podcasts by Mashable, amassing over 1 million downloads and a loyal social media following of over 50,000 aspiring entrepreneurs. Nikayla is also the founder of Side Hustle Pro, a podcasting and marketing agency that shines a light on untold narratives. 
Nikayla works intensively with emerging podcasters to create and launch their own podcasts, grow their influence through targeted social media marketing, and build a profitable business. In this episode, Nikayla is teaching us what she does best and teaching how you could do and know if you have exactly what it takes to be a podcaster, what the financial situation of podcasting looks like, how to find your dream guests, and turn this hustle into a full-time job. It is safe to say this woman is an expert on podcasting and how to make your show sustainable, popular, and profitable. Before we dive in, I want to say thank you for all of the reviews. You guys are taking action and I notice every bit of it. Today's review comes from LiTX and it says, thank you for making my life a little less boring. Without sharing my whole story, I started working a really boring data entry job and for the first week, I was miserable. Second weekend, I discovered this podcast and I'm absolutely in love. I love Jenna's voice and energy that I can hear her smile through everything she says. I now actually look forward to going to work so I can listen to this show and plot my small business at the same time. Thank you so much for this content and for making my days a little bit uh, a lot a bit better. Thank you so much for taking the time to leave a review. We're going to talk all about podcasting with Nikayla. So without further ado, I want for you to meet my friend, the Side Hustle Pro. You're listening to the Gold Digger Podcast, where we firmly believe that work doesn't have to feel like work. Self-made millionaire and marketing guru, Jenna Kutcher, will help you redefine what success looks like. It's time to hear from the experts, listen in on honest conversations, and learn the best tips and tricks that helped others pave their own way and craft their dream career. If you're ready to dig in, do the work, and tackle your biggest goals, you're in the right place. Here's your host, educator, photographer, and mac and cheese lover, Jenna Kutcher. All right, Nikayla, I am so excited. I've been following you for quite a while. And let me first just tell you, you are the perfect person for this episode. So thank you for being on the Gold Digger podcast today. Thank you for having me, Jenna. I am so excited. And you know, the feeling is mutual because I have been following you. And I'm like... Is she in my head? <laughs> I so relate this to you. This is perfect. Yes. Oh, this is just going to be so good. And there's something so fun about interviewing other podcast hosts because we are like doing this day in and day out. And so many people don't understand what goes into this. And so today's show is just devoted to kind of removing the curtain or the veil behind podcasting. And so before we do that, I would just love for you to tell a little bit of your story. Your story captivates me. You are just amazing. So who is Nikayla? How did you get to where you are? And what are you doing today? Yes. Well, Nikayla is the creator and founder of Side Hustle Pro Podcast. But before I even started that, because I, I didn't even know what a podcast was until Serial came out, right? I was yes. just a girl trying to figure out what to do with her life, like most people. I was born in Jamaica, grew up in the Bronx, and I always like really was gravitating to communications fields. Like I love storytelling. When I was little, I thought I wanted to be an actress. Then it was broadcast journalist. So I went to UPenn and I studied communications, went on to work in media immediately out of undergrad, worked for MTV for a little bit in PR, realized I was not a PR girl and hated that <laughs> lifestyle. So went through this whole midlife crisis. Well, not midlife, but mid twenties, you know how it seems like it's like <laughs> the world is over when you're 25 and don't know what you want to do. 
And that's when I really got into blogging and social media. At the time, Twitter was still relatively new. This was like 2009. So I started freelance writing and sharing my stories on social. And lo and behold, that ended up landing me a job working in social media for a startup, a fashion e-commerce site. And, you know, it was such a fun time because we were just making it up as we went along. That was the early days of brands really realizing that they needed to hire social media people to connect with customers and encourage sales that way. So after doing that for a while, I kind of hit a wall because I felt like I was really teaching myself and no one was teaching me. So I jumped to a job at Georgetown working in academia, doing social media, but getting the chance to have a broader lens into marketing. And that's when it really struck me again that, hey, marketing is an actual framework. It is it involves psychology and all these different things I don't understand. And by the way, I had avoided all quant in undergrad. So why don't I go back <laughs> to school, learn a little bit and figure out if this is something I want to stick with. So that's what I did. I went back and got my MBA from the University of Michigan, Ross School of Business. And while I was there, continued to dig my heels into marketing interned out at Google for a little bit in ad sales. But lo and behold, the long, short version of this story is that I ended up graduating without a job because, you know, for creative souls who have multi-passions and can't quite put their finger on where their talents best fit, it's sometimes hard to fit into these boxes that you find when you go to structured places like, you know, business schools to get your MBA. So, came out of there without a job, moved back to D.C. with my then boyfriend, now husband, and hit the ground running, just getting back to my roots of blogging, creating content, social media marketing. And the rest is kind of history from there, Jenna. I, I, you know, I, I feel like I've been talking for a while. <laughs> oh, come on, sister. We're <laughs> podcasters. We can talk all day. <laughs> so what introduced me to you is I was on the hunt for just powerful women podcasters. And you were one of the first people I found. And so can you tell us about Side Hustle Pro? How did you get started? What was your mission? And like, what did the early stages of your podcast look like? Yes. I I get so excited talking about this because I still can't <laughs> believe this is oh, now my job. But I got no. started podcasting very organically. I had originally started, like I said, I got back to my blog and my blog was at the time called Kayla K Speaks, which no one could pronounce. And <laughs> I was just writing about whatever I wanted to write about, whatever interested me, which at the time was marketing. I was trying to get a job and impress employers with my you know, thought process and frameworks around marketing. And it evolved to interviewing people because I just realized I love talking to people who were somehow working at these awesome jobs, but still building out these companies on the side. I just thought it was so amazing. So I just naturally gravitated to those stories. And what I learned was I had these long blog posts that, you know, people would like when you shared on Facebook, but they weren't actually reading it. <laughs> they were not actually reading these <laughs> stories. And on top of that, I felt like I wasn't 
doing justice to the people's stories because I had to cut it down. You know, you know how we are. We're verbose. We when we talk, imagine trying to post this interview on a blog. You know, no one would read that. That's a whole novel. So that's what made me think, oh, well, maybe I should start a podcast again. That was around the time 2015 that I heard Serial for the first time. I started listening to podcasts while I was cooking and I decided I want to try my hand at it. That's so cool. I I feel like for so many podcasters, it's like we have to be listeners to podcasts to even dream up like, well, what would I do if I became a host or like, what would my show look like? So did you have a clear vision when you started or were you kind of like, all right, let's just give it a go? I had a clear vision of the theme. At that time, I had switched over to starting to write about side hustlers on my blog. So I knew I wanted to continue those kind exploring those kind of stories. And that made it much simpler for me to get started because a lot of times we want to talk about so many different things. But when you really hone in on what that's going to be, you can map out what does a year of content look like? What will my guests be like? What will they talk about? What questions will I ask? So that part I had going in. And so it was just a matter of getting the technical and buying the right equipment, which wasn't a lot of equipment and getting all of that together. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I started my show, I basically did everything except for actually record. Like I was terrified (laughs) of actually hitting record and like thinking this is going to be the first show. Do you remember your first show and what it was like? (laughs) And I almost didn't do it. I said, this is stupid. I told my husband, I was like, I, this doesn't sound good. I'm not doing this. And he always teases me to this day because I almost didn't press play. I mean, first of all, who likes to sound of their own voice. And second, you know, you just get that cold feet right before you jump in because you realize, wow, I am really putting myself out there. My first episode was a solo where I shared my story of not getting the job from Google after my internship. And it was embarrassing and it was, you know, more transparent than I'd ever been. So definitely I remember that first episode. I remember how I felt before (laughs) I published it. Oh, isn't it crazy to think that every day, like people are going back to the beginning of your show? Oh my God. <laughs> it's very it's like, can you just start now? Because right. it's a lot better. Exactly. It's a whole lot better. <laughs> so did you feel like you had any like roadblocks or mental barriers when you started? Was there anything that was like, who am I to do this? Or did you just step into your power and take it on? Initially, the mental roadblocks occurred before I published. So again, that feeling of who am I? Can I do this? I forgot to mention that at the time when I finally got a job, it was with NPR. So the biggest podcast producer in the world, my desk was right around the corner from Guy Raz. So talk about imposter syndrome. Like, who am I to start a podcast (laughs) when I'm, I'm sitting across from like the champion over here? But once I actually published, the feedback that I received was so overwhelming and people resonated with my story. You know, that is what people wanted to talk about. So once I realized that, then I just wanted to keep going. Like, I love the fact that me sharing something that I went through could actually help someone else. Absolutely. So share the premise of your show. And then I want for you to tell guests about how you took your side hustle and made it 
your full-time job because I just think that story, I just remember the post that you posted where you're like, I never even considered this. So first things first, like what is the premise of Side Hustle Pro? What are the stories that you're telling? Yes. So the premise of Side Hustle Pro is to share the stories of Black women entrepreneurs who have scaled from side hustle to full-time entrepreneurs. And the theme of this show started with me coming out of business school and thinking, hey, you know what? I really want to start my own business. At the time, it was a marketing agency. But just having that doubt in myself and realizing that doubt stemmed from me not seeing a lot of African-Americans prominently displayed in the narrative of entrepreneurship. So when you see the Fast Company covers, when you see the headlines, top entrepreneurs, it was missing that diversity and inclusion. So I decided, you know what, I'll put that out there because (laughs) I know these women exist. Mm -hmm. And the reason it starts with Side Hustle is because the prominent narrative that I see a lot is, you know, quit everything. If you're serious, you'll quit your job. You'll move to Silicon Valley and you'll live with, uh, you know, 12 other people in a frat house, whatever it takes to make it and get funding. But that's just not realistic for most people. That is not the case. Most people start their business on the side, use that income from their job to fund the business for the first few years when it's not profitable and then are able to scale. I wanted to see more of those stories. So that's the premise and how I was able to turn it into a business. So around six months in of consistent work, and continuing to think about, you know, the content, how I can make this as rich as possible, learning as much as possible about my audience, and also growing my own platforms as much as possible, I started to pitch sponsors. I knew I had great content. And one of my guests told me that, you know, if you do something well, you shouldn't do it for free. (laughs) Yes. Six months (laughs) in, cold pitch my first sponsor and got the ball rolling. And that's how I initially started to generate revenue from Side Hustle Pro. I then moved into creating information products. So online courses, guides, and things that were for sale to have another revenue stream. I love that. You and I share a brain when it comes to this because I think that so many people think about podcasting and they don't know the amount of work that goes into it. What what was shocking to you? Because there are so many things where I was like, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Talk about it. So initially, (laughs) it is a lot of work because it's a learning curve Mm -hmm. and you get faster as things go on. But that editing piece, there were nights in the first few months where I was up till 1 a.m. editing my episodes And it mainly was because I, you know, once you start editing and realizing you can take out ums, then you try to go crazy. And I I probably did not need to edit them as much as I did. But also I was figuring out the software. And so that took a little bit of time. But, you know, it's not brain surgery. Anyone can do it for sure. It just takes a matter of someone showing you how to do it and then you getting comfortable with whichever editing software you prefer. Yeah. So do you still edit your own show? 
No. So I've since outsourced that task. (laughs) I know. That was what was so hard. When I started my show, I knew going into it, I was like, I do not have time to like learn and edit. But then it's like you're starting and you're already paying into this project. And, you know, did you have to make any investments when you started? I know equipment's pretty minor, but were there any things that you were like, okay, I believe in this. So I'm going to invest in it and hopefully I'll get a return at some point. Yes, absolutely. I talked about this too in one of my Q&A episodes. I think looking back, it wasn't anything crazy. I think over the course of one and a half years of a few thousand dollars over time, like you said, equipment was minimal. You know, I, I used a microphone and a laptop and my laptop I already had. So it wasn't like I bought that specifically for the podcast you know, a couple of small software investments and hosting. The biggest investments was really in personal development, you know, personal development and going to conferences, networking, learning as much as I could about entrepreneurship and building a business and building an online brand. That's what I really invested my coins in to those first few years. I bet that those were amazing opportunities for you to meet potential guests. Am I right? Absolutely. Potential guests and to really just understand how other people did it before me. I'm big on understanding how other people did it because we really don't have to reinvent the wheel. A lot of times we just really need to sit down and study and reverse engineer. You are so stinking smart. I feel like I just went ahead guns blazing and was like, well, we'll figure it out as we go. I feel like your uh, technique is probably a bit uh, better. (laughs) That is amazing. So let's talk. I love the business side of things. And I think a lot of times when people see influencers, whether it's online or podcasters, they're so confused. Like, how do you actually make a living? And so we talked about the difference between having paid sponsors where we talk about someone else's products versus selling our own digital things. Is there one of these options that you prefer or yield better results? Or do you like mixing it up? What did you decide is kind of the secret sauce for Side Hustle Pro? I like mixing it up. So mixing it up yet not going crazy with 25 different things. So I stick to my core revenue streams that I started out with, which is sponsorships. But I really enjoy the podcast accelerator that I launched. So it's called Podcast Moguls. And essentially, I now teach emerging podcasters, audio producers, how to create and scale their podcasts so that they too can have opportunities, create their own brand and get paid because of the content they put out into the world. And I like that because I think from what I've experienced, it is, it you know, people don't always understand that they can do this themselves. I saw a lot of women feeling so discouraged when Spotify had a sound up boot camp for emerging podcasters, only accepted around, I believe it was maybe 18 people or 10 out of 18,000. And so many people were bummed. And I just wanted to scream from the rooftops like, you can do this. You can totally do this yourself. You can totally get onto the charts and you can totally get paid. All you have to do is really focus. You still need to learn from someone. But after that, with your commitment to it, you, you can get the ball rolling and keep going. 
That's what I love about you, Nikayla, is because you had to kind of forge your own path and figure this out. But then you're like, hey, I can help save you time, save you money, save you energy and like help you to see what is truly possible. And sometimes I think just seeing what is truly possible is the hardest part of it all. Absolutely. And also understanding that you can create content, you can create a podcast, but the marketing piece. So this comes back to my core, you know, interest, career, passion all along, the marketing piece. I see so many people not tapping into that. And that's what I love to teach because you can create something, but if no one knows it's out there, you know, those (laughs) downloads won't grow. Those page visits won't grow. Mm -hmm. You have to learn how to consistently increase that momentum. Like, you know, Jenna, you're awesome at this too, right? You know that you need to consistently be creating content on your Instagram pages and engaging with people for that, for people to tune into your episodes week after week. No one wakes up and is like, oh, let me check what Jenna posted today. (laughs) Like, let me me see if there's a new episode. You have to literally tell people and bring them back to your show. Mm -hmm. I love that. So if you, here's a good question. If you were to start Side Hustle Pro over again today? Like if if the slate was cleaned and you were just launching it, what would be some of the things that you would do either differently or just make sure you included in your launch plan for the show? Mm, That is a great question. You know what? I wouldn't do a ton differently, but I would make sure that I included more opportunities for me to share my story. It's interesting because I love interviewing people But whenever I release a solo episode, my audience loves it because I'm sharing like, hey, this is the Kayla. And I'm like, why do you guys like this? I'm saying I don't know what I'm doing with my life. (laughs) I can relate. What is is there to gain from this? Oh, my goodness. And and so now that's something I'm building into the rest of this year is to make sure that I'm checking in and sharing my own journey as I am starting out and, you know, in my first year of entrepreneurship. I love that. You know, it's funny. So my sister produces and manages our show and she always is pushing me to do more personal shows. And I'm like, why does anybody care about my pregnancy? Why does anybody (laughs) care about my marriage? And yet every single time those are the best shows. And, And I think too, like one of the biggest mistakes I made when I started my show is that I was doing interviews only. And then I felt like I was interjecting my story into other people's instead of like letting them take the stage. And so solo shows are such an amazing way for you to take the stage, you to establish credibility. But I think when you're first starting out, you're like, how could I possibly talk for 30 minutes straight? (laughs) Right, right. So funny. So what is your absolute favorite thing about hosting your show? Like, is there anything that just is like, I cannot believe this is my job? Oh, yes. My absolute favorite thing is that moment when I release a new episode and people start listening and they start giving me feedback and they start telling me how much they enjoy it because that reminds you why you do everything. There's sometimes when you're in the trenches and it's late night and you're like, what am I doing? <laughs> but then when you see the impact, there are people who have told me, you know, I was afraid to do this, but I started doing this and now I'm working on my side hustle or, you know, I landed this because I used the steps that you 
you talked about in this episode and it's amazing. Or they connected with the guests. You know, there's someone who I just had on my show who was looking for additional coaches in her business and one of my friends just applied. And so it's amazing to see that people actually take action based on the show. There's impact there. As far as least favorite thing, I don't know if yes. you asked that, but might yes. as well jump in with Let's that. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> I would say the least favorite is still the admin stuff that goes on behind it. And so I aspire to get to that level, your level, Jenna, where I have a whole team taking care of every aspect but I still do a great deal. For example, I schedule my episodes and I recently brought on a social media assistant. So that part of it will be handled for me and I'm building out my team slowly, but definitely looking forward to taking more off of my plate so that I can continue to be creative yes. because it definitely impacts your creativity when you're too into the ad administration side. I mean, if everyone could have a Kate on their team, oh yes, my world, can the I, podcasting can world would be <laughs> amazing. It's can we duplicate Kate? <laughs> I, you know, it's so funny too, because I ran my show without having my sister for about a year. And I felt like we were just trying to stay afloat because it like wasn't yes. the focus. It was like, here's this extra project. And now we're adding more to our plates. And so it was really hard at first where it was like, can I devote a salary to take this off my plate when we weren't really monetizing in a big way? But at the same mm -hmm. point, too, it's like when you have somebody devoted to helping you batch work and writing show notes and booking your guests and emailing your guests and all this stuff that I sincerely can really just show up and be ready for these and be so excited. But you know, it is so much front end work and then back end work. And this is the fun part. Like this is the real fun part. Right. This is the great part. I love talking <laughs> oh, to people. I love it too. What do you think is the biggest misconception about podcasting? Hmm. The biggest misconception might be that it's just someone picking up a microphone in their bedroom, <laughs> just... <laughs> spewing out thoughts out of the top of their head and that there's no thought and planning and strategy behind it mm -hmm. because there absolutely is. So if somebody came up to you and said, Nikayla, I'm starting a podcast. When is the right time to get sponsors? How would you answer that question? So the way I would answer, so first of all, if you are planning to start a podcast, I would say start. I would say, let's sit down and flesh out what that will look like, though, because if you're starting a podcast, I always want people to think of the long term game. If you're just starting it like, oh, I'll test out, I'll see how it goes. You're going to want to quit because guess what? In three months, <laughs> you're not just going to be doing gangbusters, uh, you know, that that's not the typical story. Most people have to build up to that. So the right time to start getting sponsors is after you've launched and you know more about your audience. So sponsors, yes, they care about numbers, right? And so some people throw out a, an arbitrary number of downloads that you should have. And I don't believe in that. I believe that you can pitch with a niche audience and niche downloads Yes, be aware of the CPM equation and how sponsors look to evaluate your rate. However, 
Also understand your audience and make sure you're aligning with brands that want to get in front of that audience because that will lead to success. That's what I did with my very first sponsor was FreshBooks. FreshBooks, you know, cloud accounting software for freelancers, side hustlers. Yes. And Number one, I use them. So I knew that other side hustlers would probably need to use them. And so it was just a great alignment that they were willing to take a chance on a smaller podcast because it was the right audience. So make sure you are looking at your social insights, doing a survey, reading your reviews. And when you feel that you have enough information to paint that for a sponsor, that's when it's the right time to start taking on sponsors. I love that. So at this stage of the game, are you still approaching sponsors? Are sponsors approaching you? What does that look like since you've grown so much? So it is thankfully a situation where sponsors are now approaching me, which I love because again, that takes a little bit of the administration (laughs) part out of it. it. And, you know, that's mainly due to consistency. Your reputation builds when you consistently show up and produce quality work. I still, if there's a brand I really want to work with, I definitely still start out that conversation, but I have been fortunate to be approached by brands that align, you know, completely with my audience. And Don't get me wrong. There are people who approach me and it's just not a great fit. And I, you know, I'm candid about that and I am transparent and letting them know, hey, this will not be a good fit. (laughs) Yes, I we get those all the time. We're like, "Uh, do you listen to the show? I'm going to guess that you probably have never tuned in. Right. When people pitch men for my show, I'm like, so if if you would have done like two minutes of research, you would have realized it's all women. Gone to the website. (laughs) Just just gone to the website. So funny. (laughs) What we do now, just for context for other podcasters out there, is now we have an ad agency. And we decided to go that route just because my sister had so much on her plate as it was. And so basically, they pitch you to brands and then they bring those brands to you and they take a cut of the commissions that you make for the show. And I know I was so afraid. I'd love to hear your thoughts, Nikayla, because I was so afraid of bringing ads onto the show. I was worried that people would roll their eyes at it or stop tuning in. But truth be told, like you said, if you're working so hard, you should not be working for free. And we teach that. And so we kind of have to walk the walk on that. Were you nervous when you started incorporating ads or did you feel like it was pretty organic? Yes. So I do use an I do work with an ad agency now, too. So thanks for raising that. Yes. And it's same thing. You know, they pitch on behalf and take a cut. And I was nervous in the beginning to start incorporating ads, mainly because I, you know, I was like, well, I sound weird. (laughs) Well, I sound like a weirdo doing these host red spots. But (laughs) what made me feel more comfortable with it is one, people are accustomed to ads. This is not something that, you know, they're like, oh my God, why would she ever? This is a a medium. This is a platform where they hear ads all the time. And what makes it interesting is when it's something that relates to you. And so that's why I just try really hard to make it something that is beneficial for my audience, that is relevant to the podcast, and that makes sense. 
Otherwise, it's like, oh, wow, she's selling out. Like, what is this? <laughs> and I definitely would never put my name behind something that I don't trust or I wouldn't use. There was actually a hair care brand that reached out to me and tried the products. And I was like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> I cannot, <laughs> I cannot endorse this. And so I just, you know. I let that dwindle away. So that's how serious I am about making sure it's something I believe in. And your audience sees that. Like, I see that as part of your audience. Like, I think that is the key, whether you're an influencer or a podcaster and you're getting approached with sponsorships, like, I have to test the product. They have to give me 30 days of trying it. And they have to be willing to hear no if it's not the right fit. And really, it saves them money because if it's not a fit for me, it's probably not a fit for our audiences, you know? Exactly. Yes. So what does your process look like for selecting guests, for trying to think of topics? Do you have any tricks up your sleeve when it comes to that kind of stuff? Sure. So when I'm looking to select guests, I I kind of have a checklist that I go through. And, you know, it really comes down to one, is their story relevant to the side hustle pro theme, you know, do they fit that demographic and that storyline? Also, will they be sharing new information? Can people replicate their success? Not meaning like, oh, you can go out and start the same company. But if I was to, you know, interview Mark Zuckerberg, for example, (laughs) not everyone can just start the next Facebook, you know, as a matter of fact, I don't think anyone in 2018 should be starting a social network. So, (laughs) I am looking to interview people who people can relate to. And also, are they interesting? As much as possible, I do pre-research. I try to check out if they've had YouTube videos, prior interviews to see how they are. So it's kind of like a casting call. And I didn't always used to do this, but, you know, I've gone through interviews that I felt kind of felt flat. And so I'm always trying to find ways to make sure that I can bring the best out of the person and relate to the person, but also do as much research to see if this person does know how to present themselves well in an interview. And most of all, I do have to find them interesting. So when I teach my students, I talk about finding and understanding their perfect listener and making sure they're creating content for that person. So I have a perfect listener, but I also, you know, some people call it avatar, but I also fit into my audience profile. And so in that sense, I'm able to be that first judge to say, hey, if they're not interesting to me, if they don't excite me, then they're not going to excite my perfect listener. I think that's so important to understand as well. And there's so much data out there for podcasts, which can really help you see like, why are people tuning into this? Or what are they interested in? Or maybe the title of the show wasn't that great. There is so much strategy around all of that, that I think people don't even understand. It's crazy. So one of my questions is, what does your workflow look like? Because I'm a huge batch recorder. So I'm doing 15 episodes in three days, which I wouldn't necessarily recommend if you're starting out. But what does your workflow look like since this is now your full time job? Yes, I am a batch recorder as well, but not 15. (laughs) It's not 15 in three days. (laughs) So I use a platform called Airtable. It used to be in Google Sheets, but nowadays I like, you know, the drag and drop features. But anywho, so that kind of has this workflow. So it's like a checklist where I go, I'm going along and I'm able to, you know, I have my 
episodes for the year mapped out. They might not have a guest filled in yet, but I know every single date that an episode will be released. And then then I go through the process and where that episode is. So it could be need to book a guest, guest booked, need to record episode, recorded episode, you know, need to record ads, send to producer. So all of that is always clearly mapped out to me with different colors using that system. And then when I batch record, so I, I record on Mondays and Tuesdays because what I found is If I record at any given day, recording kind of throws off my day. As much as I try, I just get less done on days that I record. So I just try to isolate it to two days in the beginning of the week so that the rest of the week I can focus on other things. For example, my podcast Moguls Accelerator is on Wednesdays. I teach live every Wednesday and I go to my co-working space Wednesday through Friday. So that's just how I need to organize my life to make sure I'm as productive as possible. And then on the days I record, I try to do as much as possible on that day. So not only recording the interview, but listening, recording the intro, taking care of anything that has to be done with that episode so that when it's time to publish, I'm not like, oh, crap, Um, (laughs) (laughs) I need to write a summary for the show notes. You know, I just try to take care of as much as possible for the episode when I'm recording it. Oh, that is so, so helpful. So I would love to know if, if somebody came up to you and said, what makes a good podcast host? How would you answer that question? Because I think most people would feel unqualified or not ready for that. So what do you think about being a successful host? Oh, that is such a great question. And it really, really depends. There is no set formula for what makes a great podcast host. As I said earlier, When I worked at NPR, I was surrounded by awesome podcast hosts day in and day out. And it would have been easy for me to feel intimidated or less qualified. But what that experience did for me was it showed me that, hey, they're human. Mm -hmm. We're both getting our tea in the kitchen at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) And this, This person only sounds different because, one, they've had way more years of experience than me. They have studied this for way longer than I have. And they also have an awesome, awesome producing team behind them. (laughs) So that made me decide to be kinder to myself and to understand that, hey, everyone has to start somewhere. So I'd say to you, to, you know, people who are interested in hosting, recognize that you're not going to sound like your favorite podcast host on your first episode. And then with that, commit to getting better, commit to moving forward and doing it scared, doing it while you have less experience. And then think about what you like about your favorite host. So what I realized is some of my favorite hosts, like you, Jenna, like, you know, Crystal and Kid Fury from The Read, they're just themselves. They do not have an NPR voice. They do not sound super poised and polished like they're reading the nighttime news. And I love it. And they make me laugh. And I feel like they're a friend in my head. I feel like I know them. And personally, that's how I would want, you know, a Side Hustle Pro listener to feel. So with that, That also gave me the confidence to, hey, just be yourself because people will know the real Nikayla and connect with you. And you do such a good job of this. And it's so funny because when people say like, oh, you have a nice podcasting voice. I'm like, really? Like I cannot listen to my own show, but thank you. I listen at 2x speed. That is my favorite. (laughs) You're like, oh, I sound very chipper today. This is great. 
That's not very good. I know it is so funny. And I think back to like, you know, when you record a voicemail, like, hi, thanks for calling Jenna Kutcher. And like, you say it in like a very high pitched, like dainty voice. And then you get on a podcast and you're like, yes. if I did that for an hour, my vocal cords would shut down. Right, right. And I, I find myself starting out that way. And then it's like, yeah, guys. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. So what is your dream for your podcast? So my dream for my podcast is first and foremost to inspire as many emerging content creators as possible to just do it, to go after that and to equip them with the same tools to not only launch, but scale this podcast into something that builds out their brand and provides a platform for them to have speaking opportunities. And if they choose, be able to turn it into a business. It's something that I'm passionate about because throughout my entire life, I've been trying to fit into boxes. And it's only, you know, in the last two years that I've realized, well, maybe I was put on this earth to just do my thing. <laughs> and I wasn't meant to fit into any box that they prepare us for all throughout school, you know, to stay in any job that I've been working for for all these years. So that's the first dream. And ultimately, I would like to do more within media. I think that childhood dream of being a broadcast journalist is rearing its head again. And so for that, I leave it open. I no longer do the whole five-year plan thing, but I do see myself doing more in media, doing more within my own platform of helping to put others on and connect them to opportunities. Oh, so stay girl, tuned. I'm ready. I'm ready to come on the ride with you. Like, this is going <laughs> to be good. Oh, so let's just say a listener out there has been thinking about maybe starting a podcast. Do you have a single piece of advice that you want to leave them with today? Yes. So my single piece of advice, I just want to reiterate that if you're thinking about starting a podcast, really tap into that why. Sit down and think about if this is something you want to do for the next year. Because if you can think about this long term, a year, 24 months, like continue to think of what this will look like, then you know that one, you're serious about this and you'll connect to it when it's not fun. When you know, you're staying up late at night to edit an episode that has really wonky audio for some reason. That is when you know, hey, I should start a podcast. And I would also just emphasize, go for it. You can do it. You will get better with time. Do not talk yourself out of it. That is perfect advice to leave our listeners with. Nikayla, where can everybody find you, tune into your show, connect with you, learn more about you? Give us all the places. Sure. So first of all, I have created a special guide for Go-Getter listeners so that if you're interested in podcasting or just want a quick overview of some of the top Side Hustle Pro episodes, head over to sidehustlepro.co forward slash Jenna and I have it all there for you. So you could, that's your getting started podcast guide. And you can find me everywhere at Side Hustle Pro. So Instagram, Facebook, Twitter at Side Hustle Pro. 
And if you want to connect with me, feel free to email me at hi at sidehustlepro.co. Thank you so much, Nikayla. This was such a good episode. I feel like people are going to be taking notes and tuning in. And I just think that you have been so inspiring to me, just the way that you show up, share your story. It is just so encouraging to see what is possible for other people out there. And you are paving the way in that. Thank you so much, Jenna. And you know, I am just woman crush all day on you. We so always slide you. into each other's DMs like, go, sister, go. Yes, we do. We DM. Oh, well, you, like you're you better awesome. get on to that honeymoon. Tell everyone where you're going. So, yes, I am headed to oh Zanzibar after this to take my belated honeymoon. And oh, my gosh. Well, wait. follow just so you can see Zanzibar. That I mean, that's enough reason right there. Thank you so yeah. much, Nikayla. Thank you, Jenna. There you have it. My friend, Nikayla. She has been such an inspiration to me, and I can just feel her energy and excitement every time she shares about her show. I hope that this episode really kind of removed the veil behind the podcasting world, what it takes to start a show. How do you know if you're going to be a good host? How the heck do you make money doing it? Nikayla was such an open book for us, and I am so grateful that she showed up with so much enthusiasm today. I absolutely love following her and her journey, and I sincerely hope that you go cheer her on over at Side Hustle Pro. Until next time, gold diggers, keep on digging your biggest goals. And hey, the world of podcasting is pretty darn amazing, if I do say so myself. Thanks for listening to the Gold Digger Podcast. Dive into the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.golddiggerpodcast.com. If you love the show, share it with a friend. The more the merrier. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time, you gold digger you. Hey, gold diggers. Lately, I've been getting excited to finish furnishing our new home, which is why I want to tell you about a brand that we absolutely love, which is Article. I have been a fan and a customer of Article for years. I'm always blown away by the curated assortment of furniture styles they offer. They have mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandinavian, and even boho designs. There is something for everyone, no matter your taste. In our last house, we had their sofa and leather chairs. At our lake house, we have their dining table and chairs. We also just ordered some of their outdoor furniture for our new patio. Like, if you can't tell, we are obsessed with Article. The quality and style are top-notch. Article's online-only model means that they can offer some great prices with fast and hassle-free delivery. Pick the delivery time that works for you, and they keep you updated every step of the way. Article's customer care team is also amazing. They're knowledgeable, friendly, and always there when you need them. If you're like me and you're itching to give your home a makeover, I highly recommend checking out Article. They believe in delightful design for every home, and thanks to their commitment to style, quality, and affordability, it's never been easier to transform your space. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash gold digger and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash gold digger for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more.